hello everyone welcome to a special episode of uh, downstairs with brian hayne because right now this is gonna be the last episode no 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 don't worry we're, we're not canceling out the show now uh, now uh i have personal problems uh going forward for the next uh, couple of weeks so we probably won't be back until the second week of april uh, just on the, the safe side because next week i'm getting a cat scan and the following week i have a, a a test I gotta do so it's like a it's gonna be a busy couple of weeks and mm -hmm. not only that it's like I, I'm uh, my job is probably gonna be uh, doing a couple of things as well so it's like eh. anyway uh, Hayden how was you how was your week that's all right he that's says, all it, says <laughs> it very loosely eh, it was all right yeah uh, it's all right yeah. I mean yeah uh, like uh, as we pointed out like previously, uh, this past Sunday, we did uh, his reading for his uh, scripted uh, web series project that he's been working on for the past year or so. Uh, it was fun because there was only like maybe six actors there. Yeah, six actors there. Well, six, six, and then a seventh showed up during the middle. Yeah. So it was basically a handful of actors essentially trying to read essentially. 10 different parts, 11 different parts, 12 different parts. Like it was a lot of hassle. Even me, who I normally just use like like one like one character, I end up essentially filling two roles out. So because of this time time restraints and stuff like that too. But yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I went out on Sunday night. I had a good uh, weekend. Uh, aside from the thing with uh, Hayden and stuff, uh, I finished watching the Bad Batch, uh, Star Wars, the Bad Batch, which I thought was pretty good. Um, Apparently, since this is like a pre a prequel wish series to Rebels, I'll probably be watching that down the line just to get a sensation of uh, like half of the characters are like you know stuff like that too. And and then later on Sunday night, I went out to see uh, a friend Abigail who was doing a uh, a comedy play later at night at uh, the Broadway Comedy Club. So that was fun. So nice. Social anxiety as an actor. You know, it, it's fun to be. It's like you kind of like the moment I saw the stage, I was like, I want to be on the stage again. And I was talking to her, like, yeah, I was talking to her after the show. I was like, I missed being on stage, but a lot of it has been very, uh, uh, essentially hit, and, hit or miss for the past mm -hmm. few, uh, couple of years because of COVID and stuff like that, too. But yeah. And speaking of COVID, the biggest story that came out last week was the Baptists. Apparently, the Baptists. Who, who the Bathurst is basically the the British equivalent to the Academy Awards here in America. Well, obviously here. Well, anyway, they're basically one of the big top award shows in film and TV. Uh, so I forgot it was like maybe a couple of days ago where people were getting to you know people were being tested positive for COVID, and in Europe right now there is a rising case. Uh, you know, cases of COVID, especially uh, going into the spring. And with the Academy Awards right down, you know, right down, like literally a week away or not even a week away, like five days away, it gets to the, the, the thing of, okay, maybe, uh, maybe people will be a, a little relaxed on, you know, on, uh, you know, registrations and stuff like that too, because, you know, where I work, 
you know, we still use masks. Uh, we still use all that stuff. Uh, get checked in, stuff like that too. But a lot of it, you know, especially in a very closed theater setting, that's even more of a a hit or miss. Because you, you're essentially dodging a bullet for at least two, three hours mm. in a big award show like that. Yeah. Now, I bring up COVID because at least, uh, according to a couple of um, sources, it was not like a big uh, infection thing, but it was a, a big enough infection that essentially took out uh, Belfast director Kenneth Brown, who, as actors, we kind of know who Kenneth Brown is. Uh, you know, uh, Serial Han. I, I know I'm, pro- I'm pronouncing his wrong name, probably. I hope not. But Serial uh, Hines, one of the other stars of uh, Belfast, who people may know from uh, a fun second Justice League, uh, the Justice, you know, Justice League as Stephen Wolf, uh, Harry Potter as uh, Dumbledore's brother. Uh, even people who are still fans of Marvel may remember him as the devil in uh, Ghost Rider 2. Uh, spirit of vengeance but he's been around for like you know 25 years 30 years probably even more than that uh the mitchell machine the mitchell and the machines producers lord and miller who we spoke to uh, spoke about previously on this podcast they got stricken with covid and yeah if you according to well of course you know some websites that said it was a super spreader event but you know it just depends on how many people got infected and everything Mm-hmm. But with the Academy Awards just literally right around the corner, and it being held in you know Los Angeles, obviously, I'm not sure how Los Angeles is doing well with uh, uh, their COVID thing. You know, right now in New York City, our numbers are more lacquer low, thank God. I'm not sure how it is in Georgia. I'm, I don't even know if we even really keep track of numbers here in the South. Okay. Well, it's the South. So. I mean, I mean, also because like it's such a smaller population in comparison, anyway. Yeah, obviously, and plus it's the South, so the South is pretty free and liberating with their uh, registrations. But yeah, it, it, as an actor, it, and this is the reason why I still wear a mask, even if I do go to an event and stuff like that too. I'm not, you know, dodging a bullet for two and a half hours for what have you, unmasked. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Apologies. No problem. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be the same. I'm like, if it's like, you know, like if the sort of said they're not going to like, you know, take it seriously, then I'd be like, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to watch this at home. You, you could, you could mail me the award if I win one. That, that's basically the mentality I would take with it. Yeah. And, uh, and it doesn't help that the Academy Awards has been in a uh, troubling spot which I'll get to in a couple of seconds, uh, was that in the past, you know, as we previously mentioned, that uh, they are inviting people who have essentially anti-vax, like views and natures and stuff like that, too, on the program in order to, you know, perform. And mm-hmm. it obviously has got to be a very bad uh, spot, especially if someone decides to be like, oh, yeah, I'm perfectly fine, and then find out, and find out like maybe two or three days later, they got COVID. Mm-hmm. So, and, but yeah, speaking of the Oscars, and I know we're kind of like rushing the things, but, you know. Uh, yeah, the, the, our time constraint is kind of what it is right now. Yeah. Uh, but it's also been a very blah week. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, 
but we'll pick up something with a uh, hilarious. Well, I wouldn't say a hilarious story, but a uh, how the hell is that thing still on the air kind of story. But mm-hmm. anyway, the Oscars are again still in, in a, a very big uh, pickle just on a performing level and also an attending level. Like you just said before, uh, if people aren't, I wouldn't be surprised if there's not many people who are scheduled to show up to be like, Oh, you know, I'm just gotta stay home for the night. Mm -hmm. And especially if there are like, you know, more of a, uh, uh, what's the term of it? Not advanced age, but more of a, uh, the, the term is a, a uh, more of a liability, or hmm. you know, you know what I mean. Like, like an age, like an age where you would be more susceptible to. Yes, yeah, susceptible. Yeah. That's what I'm looking at. But like people, I, who, either that or, or like you know, your just immune system is just like you know, very bad, out of whack, and then. Especially if you had COVID before, <laughs> and you know, it's like now they've been, you know, they haven't been like, oh yeah, you know, it's like uh, one. From a fan of the Oscars, I can't wait to see how bad of a cluster F it is. Because <laughs> one, you have essentially two great hosts with Regina Hall. I'm sorry, no, Regina King. Is it Regina Hall or Regina King? Uh, I forgot who it is. Uh, but yeah, you have Wanda Sykes, and I believe it's Regina King. And then you have Amy Schumer, who hasn't really been doing the best to promote herself and saying, I mean, you know, at least he did give up like some interesting, uh, interesting idea where she says she wanted to have uh, President Zelensky, who was you know the Ukrainian president, to come on the Oscars and you know give some speech about it, either via satellite or flown into L.A., which you know it it doesn't. Yeah. Um. It... Is she stupid or something? I mean, my God. Uh, like, uh, we all have our theories. Uh, it's, like, yeah. gr- it's like, girl, not even read the room. Read the world. Just, just, yes. just read the world. Just take like five minutes and just read the world for a little bit. Yes. And, uh, and yeah, it, it's like, like, like the dude's, I'm, I'm pretty sure the dude's a little bit too busy right now. Yeah, he's a little busy right now. Doesn't have the free time to go speak at some like award show for entertainment. Like, yeah, oh but God. like I said, and it was Regina Hall. I th- and mm-hmm. although Regina King had won an Oscar before, so that's probably the reason why I was mixing it up. And uh, and uh, the Oscars are known to bring back uh, winners as hosts and stuff like that too. So it's like, and of course they both named Regina, so it's like, but. Yeah, it definitely gives us off this idea of even though I'm not going to be watching the Oscars per se, the Oscars per se, mm-hmm. I am going to be watching the 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 fan feedback. Oh. And one day especially on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But again, the Oscars have been in a very fickle spot, you know, we have the stuff we just mentioned about um Amy Schumer, but also until, uh, although it was, um, what was the term? It was resolved today, but previously, for the past like, couple of days, Rachel Zeiger, who was essentially the breakout star of West Side Story, was not allowed or was not at all well, te- invited. Well, technically not invited, I think was yeah. the term that was. 
yeah, not invited to the Oscars. And now she is going to the Oscars, but uh, but for past like say a couple of days or so, she wasn't like at all on the um, the Oscars uh, invitation list. And you would think that that you know she's like twenty years old, you know, breakout star. She did the movie just like literally right up that right after like right after high school, you know, and you know she's working with Spielberg, and then you know pandemic happens obviously. And, you know, she's, you know, this would be her first big award, you know, uh, award show. And then Oscars roll around and you're not invited, you know. Obviously, I would be kind of pissed off, obviously, because, you know, it's like, you know, you do work for, you do you put in the work for your first big movie, right? And it ends up being a highly successful, highly reviewed and you know, wins a lot of covered awards, and one of those covered awards is, you know, best picture, best director, what have you. And then the day of, the, like, a week before the performance, I mean, the event ceremony, you aren't invited. Mm-hmm. It's like the, it's like you go into, it's like, it's like you as a playwright, uh, to put this in a theater's perspective, it's like you as a playwright having done a great play Produced a great play. It was on Broadway for like say six months or so, seven months. Essentially, a like a half of a year going into another year. Uh, and when the Tonys roll around, the play gets like amazingly, uh, you know, gets all of these uh, nominations, and you aren't invited. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like even if you're, you know, well, of course, you know, you could be, you know. You, yeah, you're just not invited because uh, one, you, your category for best playwright was still not a uh, like you're not on best uh, best uh, category for best playwright, but you'd be you know there as a producer or something like that. But yeah, it, it definitely feels like very strange essentially to not invite essentially one of the biggest breakout stars in the past, like say what uh five years or so and not just like hey you know this will be your first uh this will be your first uh award show yeah but um she's been doing a lot of other award shows and they you know they invited her there so i was like obviously you could just bring her there but no apparently not uh yeah yeah apparently i guess they must have just ran out of you know uh paper at the office or something i was like whoops i guess uh we're not sending an invite or whatever yeah but literally, and, it's like the it's like literally the easiest thing in the world for you to do. Send out an invitation to him to her. That's yeah. it. That's literally all you got to do. And the fact that they basically like Forgot put to, themselves in a situation where they're getting giving themselves even more negative press. Yeah, especially going forward with uh, uh, you know, how much of the Oscars currently has have had a lot of negative press going around, especially during this year. Mm-hmm. It, it's like it's like this isn't even just simply shooting yourself in the foot like because it's basically before they like the oscars used to be shooting themselves in the foot with a pistol and then they decided no nah, i'm gonna throw that away and upgrade to the shotgun gonna gonna scatter shot this instead yeah it's definitely it, it it's weird because as an actor who would love not to be i mean who would love to go to the oscars for just for one night right mm-hmm. especially as an actor you know rub shoulders with you know all these other famous actors, actresses, producers, directors, other writers, you know, editors, 
sound designers, production designers. Yeah, just being just being in this room in with that, so many amazing, talented people who are experts in their you know craft. Yeah, and then finding out, oh, you're not you're not exactly invited because of you know either reasons or just like, oh, you're just too young. They don't believe in you or something like that. I don't know. But as of right now, you know, Rachel said that her Oscar invitation is already in the mail. It's already been like hook, line, and sync. You know, sync. Uh, but yeah, speaking of West Side Story, before uh, our uh, one of our great directing heroes, Steven Spielberg, has said he is not going to do any other musical anymore, and I could understand why because one. Uh, one, you know, doing a musical, because right now, you know, right now, Steven Spielberg is like in his mid-70s, and he made the film like in his early 70s, and because of COVID and stuff like that, too, it must have been like a long period to do post-production, especially, uh, yeah, especially going forward, you know, and... Yeah, he he definitely was like, obviously, you know, he's at a point of his in his career where he's like, you know, what, I I don't have to do it on a musical. I probably and and of course, you know, Spielberg have has done musicals in the past. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, um, Hook really wasn't a musical, but it was designed to be a musical. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, it it has it it has some elements, but yeah, it definitely isn't the full on kind of like musical movie as like a lot of others are. And that random cameo by Phil Collins by for some reason. Anyway, uh, hey, why not? He, I, I want to think that was probably a situation of he just showed up one day on set and they're like, "Yeah, okay, just throw him in. Why not?" Yeah, you're, you're visiting him. Might, might as well. Hey, Phil, you want to play a, a cop? Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I love how I'm just like I love how it's just so blase. I'm like, hey, you want to play a cop? Yeah, all right. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like. Um, but Spielberg has done musical things in the past, obviously, and but to direct a full-blown musical, especially from a Broadway production like mm-hmm. West Side Story, that's even more of a difficult thing to do because you know you got you got separated from both the production from stage production to a film production, and they already did mm-hmm. the film production years ago with the 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 nineteen sixties version. So it's obviously you know. How do you differentiate all that stuff? And if Spielberg decided to do a musical, would it be a original musical, right? Or would it be a, um, another musical that's like, you know, another uh, another production that's like kind of like already known to be a musical? Yeah, I think Spielberg would go with something that's already a known, established musical, if I had yeah. to make a guess. Yeah, like a... Um, not like saying he, he'll do like a... a a directing of like like a uh, the big screen version of Hamilton, but he'd probably do like a a, a direct uh, um, like another West Side Story thing. That's like something that would probably be uh, like not my girl, um, a funny girl. Like yeah, he would probably do something like Funny Girl or uh, something like even more like honestly, he probably would have done a great version of Chicago if he did it like twenty years ago. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, and yeah, nothing against the the movie Chicago. Mm-hmm. You know, same with Cabaret, but uh, I mean, same with Cabaret. Yeah, I could easily see Spielberg doing Cabaret, but nothing against the movie Chicago. But Spielberg with Chicago would have been amazing, especially mm-hmm. given his um, 
flair for uh, cinematic views and whatnot. But mm-hmm. yeah, and but yeah, uh, Spiro said he doesn't want to do it anymore because I think because he's just citing either. I think he just doesn't want to do it because. Oh, whoops, and now I'm. <sighs> Hang on. Tech problems? Yeah, I'm having a little tech problems here. My stupid mouse is. Uh, mm. uh, what's my. What, I have a mouse that tends to be. Uh, it will tend to essentially go stuck, and then I have to essentially unminimize my screen and then minimize it. Hmm. But he is doing a non-musical adaptation uh, with the color purple, but he's like co-producing it. So he's obviously... Yeah, so he's not fully directing it like with this one. Yeah. I think it's just like... Yeah, he just like... It's one of those things too where it's like you're taking a musical because musicals generally are made for a stage format where it's like you only need that... Like, you don't need to focus on all the different kind of camera angles to catch everything. You just focus on, like, the fact that, like, everyone's going to see it from where they're sitting on, you know, in the in the theater. So that, And then you're just kind of focusing on doing a, you know, run-through performance that kind of, you know, like, you know, a full thing. Because that's yeah, when you're doing but... the show, you're doing the thing fully through. Whereas, like, you can do that to a degree with a, um, you know, with the film set. But... There are still gonna, but there's gonna be more limitations with that though. Yeah. Because all like, it takes, because all it takes is one camera guy accidentally like tripping over something. Oh yeah. And then you have to restart the whole thing. Uh, but uh, Spielberg actually gave his reasons like kind of like in a more re- realistic uh, way, which was that it took him forever to get Sondheim's permission and rights just to get mm. you know West Side Story. That makes and, sense. According to Spielberg, he recalled being trapped with a famed Broadway lyricist dog sniffing at his crotch while being afraid to push him away as I didn't want him to offend him. So you could imagine like Steven Spielberg wanting to do a movie like West Side Story, get you know, get his permission, and then suddenly his dogs are just like kind of like head first right into your crotch, just trying like you just don't want to like offend it by just like pushing away. So you just like mm-hmm. like I can just imagine like you're in this meeting with this famous producer and suddenly it's like, oh, you know, you're, you're, like the dog just starts like sleeping right in front of your leg and it's like you don't want to move your leg without waking up the dog and it might actually do the thing. Mm-hmm. Like the same yeah. thing with you, like the same thing with Sophie's like every yeah. so often you don't want to like, like mess up with everything and have, have your cat like move out of the way. Exactly. It's like when I'm just sitting around in the chair and then there's like literally this one day where I'm like, Okay, I'm gonna hop off this chair to go use the restroom, and as soon as I move my laptop off of my lap, Sophie literally then, without a second's hesitation, jumps into my lap immediately, and I'm like, "Well, guess I'm just gonna, guess I'm just gonna sit here for a while. Guess I'll uh, wait to use the restroom." Yes, but I can understand why uh, Steve uh, Spielberg essentially said, "Hey, I don't want to do a non-musical because it took me a while just to get the rights to West Side Story," and mm-hmm. uh, and of course, you know, Sondheim. Who, oh, by the way, today's Stephen Sondheim's birthday, so happy birthday, Mr. Sondheim. Happy birthday to you, Sondheim. And, uh, and yeah, I would imagine just, like, trying to do uh, a production like West Side Story and probably taking years just to get that uh, thing done because, you know, mm-hmm. Spielberg, you know, he isn't, like, a, a, a perfectionist, but he is a, a director who likes to have a lot of projects, like, on hand and stuff like that, too. Mm-hmm. 
So it takes him a while for everything to be perfect and stuff like that too, especially especially if it's going to be like an adaptation. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, of course you know, and don't think that you know Spielberg isn't, isn't retiring. Of course not. He he probably has more than more than a few films left mm-hmm. in his tank. Uh, like because yeah, yeah, after all, he's going to be directing a very interesting movie. Isn't yes. He? <laughs> Wait, what interesting movie? Well, the one you were telling me about before. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. So, so uh, Spielberg's next movie is called The Fablemans. It's basically about his uh, childhood growing up in Arizona, basically a coming of, it, a coming of age movie. And he's got, he's got like an interesting cast to play his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got Paul Dano to play his father. He's got Marcel Williams to play his mother. Seth Rogen, of all people, to play his uncle. But the most random casting of all? David Lynch is somehow is casted in that movie as someone. And I want to believe David Lynch has got to be just playing David Lynch. But I, I kind of doubt it. He, David Lynch just might be playing like maybe a, a fictional character. Like, like, like I just imagine maybe David Lynch is playing like almost like a version of himself, but like as a, uh, um, what what's gonna call it? Uh, like a version of himself, but not like himself. Like it's like a, so like like, a, like a like a more parody version of himself. Yeah, essentially, and it's it's like a, a parody version of himself, but not really playing himself. If that makes sense. Yeah, but it's like they'll just show a scene of him directing Seven, and he's like, "No, more rain, darker." Oh man, now now I kind of wanted to see what David Lynch would have done with Seven Set Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, like you would think that that would actually be a more of a Lynch movie, anyway. Anyway, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, and of course, yeah, honestly, I, and it comes right after the uh, the Thanksgiving holiday or right before the holiday, so that'd be like almost like the perfect time to uh, to go in and watch a movie about the about growing up. Right after the, the, the right after a big family holiday, yep. Where you had to spend essentially uh, either a day or two, or sometimes a whole week with your family. <laughs> and who doesn't want to have like a little break from your family by going to a movie about another a person's family? <laughs> <laughs> I, I it's really going to be like, okay, you've just finished Thanksgiving dinner. Okay, I'm going to go see a movie, and I'm basically watching another Thanksgiving dinner happen in front of my eyes. Great, great. <laughs> so it's like I can just imagine like you, like people who are just so kind of like stress, not stressed out, but burned out over Thanksgiving. Just like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm I'm gonna go to the movies that weekend. I don't care what's, you know. Of course, people care about you know what's uh, what's happening. Uh, you know, obviously, what's being around, being released around the time. But if the choice is between uh, you know, and I'm looking, uh, of course, is like Wakanda Forever and Cre- oh, Creed 3 and Wakanda Forever are going to be the same, like the same sort of like uh, release date. Like right now, Creed 3 is supposedly is being uh, released on the same day as the Fablemans. But I just imagine it's like going to the movies, finding out Creed 3 is sold out, Wakanda Forever is sold out, and then you go, oh. Spielberg, okay. He's got to be very whimsical or something like that. Mm-hmm. Go in Also with the title, like, The Fableman. Yeah. And then you go in, go in, not expecting thing it being, like, 
uh, kind of like almost like a Spielberg kind of like whimsical thing and then finding out, oh, it's a family movie about his family. And I didn't, wanted to get away from my family. And here I am watching another person's family. <laughs> just, it's just like, yeah, it's also like that. Those are the, the type of things that just like make me uh, hilarious. That's a hilarious to me because, you know, and of course there are people who are very strung out during the holidays and they need to go and have something fun to watch. But yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so yeah, that, that it's odd how essentially one thing about COVID and BAFTA kind of like leads to a thing about the Oscars and lean to another thing about the Oscars and lean to another thing about the Oscars being that, you know, Steven Spielberg, again, to wrap this all up, Steven Spielberg is one of the directors nominated for best director and it kind of like makes more and it kind of sense to close out the thing about the Oscars and stuff like that too around the award season with Spurberg of all people. All right. Uh, yeah, this whole thing could be summed up with wow, nice segue. Yes. And speaking of segues, uh, don't uh, uh, speaking of segues, uh, Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> <laughs> Buy a Ridge Wallet. <laughs> No, we're not sponsored by Rage Shadow Legends. Or Rich Wallet. Yet. Uh, but, yeah. Um, but good on Stevens to, to know. It's like, hey, I, I know my limits, you know. And good on the Academy to actually invite Rachel to the uh, Oscars. Because, again, it's, it's her first movie. And her first movie ended up being a very successful, very reviewed thing. Even though... It, you know, her co-star, who will remain nameless, has been a very shady individual, but, you know, it's... Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, and then going right, in, like, this award season has been, like, the most weirdest one of all, even last year and the previous one before it, with when COVID decided to start, you know, coming, in, mm-hmm. into, coming into the thing. When COVID decided, I'm taking the spotlight now. Yeah. Twice, I mean, uh, for the third time in a row, this this year. Uh, but yeah, uh, so I do have some uh, trailer news. Apparently, the trailer for Avatar Two is oh. going to be is going to be premiered right during is going to be premiered with uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Nice. And as of right now, uh, obviously before, and this has been on like the, our notes for the past couple of months, I think, that Avatar 2 and Aquaman 2 were originally going to go head to head. But now mm. it's going to be Avatar 2 and Shazam 2. Mm. And they're the movies that are going to be going head to head on essentially on the same day. So it's obviously who's going to blink first, you know, mm-hmm. Disney or Warner Bros. But It's interesting to know that uh, instead of because I you know it's interesting to know is like how much they're already buying not only the 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 hype for Avatar two they're premiering the trailer to Avatar two with one of their most uh, highly uh, highly anticipated, I'd say. Yeah, anticipated movies of the year, and mm-hmm. it, and that being essentially a Marvel movie. Yeah, like so, that's that's like brilliant, like marketing strategy right there. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's like the same thing where it's just like, but the weird thing, and someone actually pointed it out, I forgot it was on, it was either on Twitter or Facebook or something like that. The Marvel Cinematic Universe has gone on for like 20 movies already, TV shows, video games, what have you, mm-hmm. and Avatar has only done one movie, and the MCU has essentially outlasted that by just essentially 20 plus movies or whatever. And now the Avatar series that James Cameron has been trying to do for the past, you know, decade or so has like come to fruition. So yeah, I honestly, I'm not really a fan of the Avatar like film universe that he's been doing. Cause I honestly, you know, I understand he, he does it like, you know, visually it looks pretty. I mean, oh yeah. Yeah. That, that, I think that's the thing that makes that movie a standout. I don't think it's actually it's storytelling. It's the fact that like all of that visual, like, you know, CGI special effects Marvel that went into making it look yeah. the way it does. And yeah. that's, I think, why it's always stayed in people's memories, especially like when I watch a channel like um, Corridor Crew and they're reacting to, when they do their like VFX reacts artist to, um, uh, you know, VFX shots and movies and TV shows and such. And yeah. they all, and there's always like this insane amount of like, um, you can see the respect and how impressed they are with the avatar when they show clips from it. Yeah. But, but again, I'm, that's really the only thing that has made that movie stand out. Like it isn't the story itself. Like, because well, there are, um, well, there are already a billion stories like it anyway, essentially. Well, just with a slightly <laughs> different kind of twist to it. Well, another thing that, uh, well, there is another thing that kind of like has made it uh memorable, which is essentially a USB sex scene, but I'm not sure how that's still possible. So, <laughs> a USB sex scene. Yeah, apparently, the, apparently, the, in order to consummate their relationship in the movie, they had like the Jake and his girlfriend had to use their hair to like ingest into some tree or something like that, and I'm just like. Yeah, I'm like even even for wait, but this wait, this was a demolition man. They did something like that in demolition. Oh my man. god, you're right. Yeah, like that that I think it was like that helmet thing they put on to kind of like simulate sex. Yes. <laughs> so 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 not only is James Cameron trying to give off a pro uh, environmental message, but he's also ripping off demolition man. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Cameron, that sly bastard. <laughs> uh, but but speaking of uh, sl- uh, of uh, people who've been around for a while, uh, so I decided to end this episode with a very hilarious notion of a TV show that has been around for almost as long as we've been. I've been born since you've been born. It's been a while for a while. Mm. So after 31 years, the Maury show has finally closed its doors. It will remain in syndication to play older episodes, of course, but any new episodes going forward are done after this spring. First off, oh, to know that Maury Povich is in his 70s, or at least close to 80, is amazing. Because one, Maury has been like that show you watched 
when you were sick or something, or playing sick, I should say. And <laughs> this, like the same thing with Jerry Springer, where it's just like mm-hmm. it's in the morning, you know, and you're kind of like in bed, you're watching TV. Oh, there's some, you know, girls fighting over some man, or there's this guy who said he's not the father and finds out he is the father. You know, classic television. <laughs> and. <laughs> Or some woman saying that, you know, that's not my child or something like that. And then finding out it is her child. So, mm-hmm. um, and, But, yeah, uh, it's obviously. Maury has been like one of those mainstays in like. Daytime television that essentially hasn't been around for a while, because when you think of daytime television, you think of like, you know, shows like that. Uh, obviously, soap operas too, but mm-hmm. mostly talk shows because that's where people mostly watch. You know, it's like yeah, it's talk yeah, you, yeah. You think like you know Ellen, The View, stuff like that. Gen- like that's gonna be the first stuff that comes to your mind because that's the stuff that has like yeah. generally the more popular esque or the more talked about kind of shows. Yeah, and Maury has essentially outlasted them all. Has outlasted all of them aside from The View, but The View has always been like essentially. Uh, Always, essentially, after every few years, it keeps on, like, rebooting itself to a new generation, new crowd, and all that stuff. You know, I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if, like, in a few more years, they reboot the entire view, council, whatnot, into more, like, more younger, for the more younger adults or something like that. But, yeah, Maury has been, it's like, I'm just surprised of how long he, that show has been around compared to, like, Jerry Springer. Mm-hmm. Like, Jerry Springer... That actually closed, that actually uh, was done, like, maybe 2018, so, like, five years before this. So, Maury essentially outlasted Jerry Springer, has outlasted Sally, Jelly, uh, Sally Jesse Raphael, Ricky Lake, uh, uh, what, what was it, uh, Geraldo, like, and to essentially outlast them all, and it was mo- and. Like the mostly what Maury has been known for the past, like say ten years, has been essentially paternity tests and stuff like that too. Yeah. So, like I, I, I like I rarely saw an actual episode of Maury that wasn't a paternity test. <laughs> yeah, it's like like he knew what his uh like he knew mm-hmm. what his um uh, what's it called? He, he knew what his like um viewership audience. was. Yeah, he yeah. knew his audience. Like. And I was like, you know, it's like I would not have seen a regular episode of Maury that wasn't dealing with the the the, the thing. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I'm just amazed that the man was able to do essentially 30 years of that show, outlast essentially other shows that that were in the same similar format, and then decide, you know what? Now it's it's a good time to retire. Yeah. I thought like that was probably his goal. It was like, all right, let's see how many of these people I can outlast. And he's going off his checklist, and it's like. And it's like, well, that's all of them. I'm done. Yeah, and it kind of like, and it, it, it's sort of like what we were talking about and what you were telling me the other day was essentially, when it comes to daytime te- television, aside from shops, obviously, you know, show operas, obviously, there's really no one else that could go around because, you know, morning television, going into daytime, you know, afternoon, like, there's more stuff in the daytime, I mean, in the afternoon, than it is in the morning. Like, in the morning, like, there's a few, you know, there's obviously a few uh, episodes, you know, a few people going around. But 
the people that you think would probably be around for that would essentially surpass everyone else, yeah, they're going off soon. And I'm just kind of like surprised to uh, essentially what I'm trying to say is that, yeah, it's that the the TV shows of old that we kind of like gotten used to, like the Maury's, the Jerry's, the Sally's, the, the Oprah's, the Ricky Lakes, the Gerardo's, they're all gone. And, you know, they don't have those type of shows anymore. Those like outlandish shows where it's like, oh, you know, like Oprah having like her book, like book of the month club or book of the month thing. And then everyone's finding out, oh, by the way, there's a taped copy of that book underneath your seat. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it actually reminded me of something. And, and it actually reminded me of a great, a couple of great segments from Arsenio uh, Hall, who is like a, a late night, you know, who used to do late night television. But, you know, that's mm-hmm. a different story of especially what is more better daytime television, late night television. And people were like, eh, people like eh, probably prefer the daytime over the nighttime television host. But I was watching those sharing a whole, a whole show, you know, clips, and I just got reminded of we, uh, we, you know, people like you and me have essentially outlasted a whole generation of, you know, we essentially saw a lot growing, uh, growing up, and we actually saw a lot of fun stuff growing up too. And now it's like, now it's now now it's sort of like the fun days are all behind us, and then it's time to close the door. And and apparently Maury was like one of those that one of those people to uh, to walk out last before we close the door. So that's you know, and it's sad, but it's just hilarious also to know that. Maury essentially had outlast everyone else in the last 10 years or so. It was nothing but paternity test. <laughs> so, That's how he made his bank. So, Maury, poets, God bless you. And on that note, yeah, that's the end of the episode. Uh, we have a, we essentially, I ran late today and Hayden has to go by 5 o'clock, but I hope we all enjoy, well, me rambling me trying to figure out how the hell to do this episode today. But as I said, uh, I got, I got essentially the next couple of weeks busy and I, this will probably be the only episode I'll be able to do in, in a span of the next couple of weeks. <laughs> so, Oh, but before we forget, uh, this weekend, please watch, uh, my alien stage reading. It'll be on the, can, uh, the, the Chaos Theater Collective YouTube channel, where they will be live streaming it, and then once it has been live streamed, it will be it will stay on that channel to watch as a video. Yes, and of course, a lot of this has, is not for profit or anything. This is all on our, our personal time, personal, uh, uh, yeah, personal time, personal uh, everything else, and. Yeah, yeah, no money, no money changing hands. No one's expecting to make any money. We're just doing this because it's just for fun. And you know, Alien is one of my favorite films of all time, and we just love the movie that much. Uh, and of course, you know, I was about to say pl- I was about to plug your show, but I, you know, your show hasn't happened yet. So exactly, well, yeah, that's going to be a while. Yeah, maybe in the next couple of years. <laughs> I I would I would hope like that would be perfect. All right, anyone, take care. Please be safe, be well, and until next time. And I guess we'll never know if you're the father now. Sadly, yes. <laughs>